I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to be in the New Testament book of Galatians as we are continuing a sermon series called Why It Matters. And we've been looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. And we're seeing why it is that our gospel really does matter. Why, it, why all of the, the details actually matter. We've been going through this letter for the last few weeks, and we've got a couple of more weeks to go. And this morning, we're rolling into Galatians chapter 5. If you remember last week, we were really talking and looking at the, at the fact that, that, that I, as, as, as your pastor, and even Paul at the time, that, that he was telling the Galatians that I can't, I can't pull you on my own. And I want you to see what Paul continues. We're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start out in verse number we're going to start out in verse number one. Paul says this. He says, For freedom, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. We're going to stop, stop right there after verse number one. So Paul is writing to an audience that he knows has come to Christ, has accepted Christ. He, he knows that, that they have heard the message, they have heard the gospel, and they have turned to Christ. But as we have seen in the last few weeks, they have, they have been pressured by outside forces. They've been pressured by, by false teachers. They've been pressured by society. And Paul is saying, he says, stand firm now. You know the truth. Stand firm and don't submit again, he says, to the yoke of slavery. We don't use the term yoke very much anymore. As a matter of fact, it's not yoke like an egg yoke. It's spelled different. A, a yoke was it's an agricultural a term. It, it, it's a, um, it would be a, a piece of machinery that would go over the neck of, of maybe a, a cow or an ox, right? And what it would do is, is somebody behind the animal would, would have reins and would direct the animal. And sometimes you would have a, a yoke. It would be a, a double yoke. You would have two, um, you would put it over two different animals. With that yoke on, the animal is going to go wherever they are directed. So Paul is referring to this as a yoke of slavery, because if you are wearing this, if the animal is wearing it, you have no control over where you go. You are going where you are directed to go. Paul is saying that he's saying that I don't want you to be pulled by the yoke of religion because at, at times he, he's he's talking to some uh, he's talking to some Jews as well and they have been told hey you need to be following the rules of of the Jewish culture you need to be following remember we've talked about the law right all of these rules and Paul's saying no don't be don't fall into a slavery to the yoke of religion as well and 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 then he's saying don't fall into the yoke of culture of impure thoughts of culture. Don't submit again to this yoke of, of slavery that you've come out of. 
He says, if you're, if you're following the world's direction, by saying things like, I believe, you've heard me say this before, that you're not going to hear me from the pulpit use the terms, I believe, because that's really irrelevant. Paul is saying, he says, when, when you tell yourself things like, you know what, it's okay because. I know what the Bible says, but it's okay because. You put whatever you want in there. He says, well, that's when we're doing things. That's when we're under this yoke of cultural slavery now. And you know what happens then? Is that you're going to go wherever it is that culture is going to direct you. Wherever culture is taking the reins, that's where you're going to go because who's in control? They're telling you it's okay to say, you know, I believe. Or it's okay because. You say, you know, I, I accept, I, I believe what the, what the world says, but, but, you know, I believe in Jesus too. See, Jesus isn't asking, though, to share your heart with the world. He's not asking for half. He's not asking for, for 50%. He's not, he's not saying, you know what, it's okay to have some of, of me and, and, and some of the world and some of culture or some of this religious organization that you're part of that has all of these rules. That's not what he's saying. I want you to see what, what Jesus actually says. We're going to go into the book of John chapter 8, verse number 31. This is Jesus himself who is speaking to Jews who actually believe in him. This is John chapter 8. We're in verse number 31. Jesus says this, And then, then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, and they said, We are descendants of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? See, really quick, they thought that because they were descendants of Abraham, that that was their ticket. It was, it was being, being part of, of the faith. It was being part of the religion. It was be, following all of the rules that were handed down to them that's what sets them free. That's what they're thinking. Jesus comes back in verse number 34. He says, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. He says, A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. See, this is the freedom that Paul is talking about when he's writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. Is In a minute, he's going, to, he's going to reference circumcision. And what he's doing, Paul is referencing to the Jews, he's referencing their, their old life under the law, under the rules of the church, under the rules of religion. And Paul is saying, this is the yoke that is around your neck. This is what is controlling you. This is what is driving you in a particular direction. Paul says this. We're going to come back into Galatians, into this letter that he's writing. We're in verse number two. Paul says this. Take note. I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. 
you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. I want you to see this. Here's the principle, the first principle this morning. Thinking that you're going to get to heaven by any other means other than Jesus makes Jesus 100% useless. You say, wow, that's pretty deep. 100% useless. Some of you may have grown up in a church, and there's churches like this that are part of our culture. They're very legalistic in their tendencies. I wonder if you grew up in a, in a church that said that your salvation is based on your baptism. Or maybe your parents made, a, made a, a, very, a, a very strong point to bring the family together to have you baptized as a child because your salvation depended on baptism. I wonder if you ever went to a church that, that said that your righteousness and your holiness was dependent upon your repentance and your adherence to showing up to confession, right? Like if you don't show up to confession enough, you're not holy enough. You're not, you're not um, righteous enough. You are not Christian enough. You are not enough. I wonder if you've ever gone to a church or been part of a faith where something was lacking if you didn't live by all of the rules, if you didn't show up to everything that was going on, if you didn't live by this standard. I know many of you may have come from a background similar to this, or you know somebody in your family who lives in a, in a church culture that is similar to this. It says, how good you are in the eyes of the Father is dependent upon how well you perform here. That is determined by how often you show up to confession. See, your faith is deeper than being at a certain place at a certain time every week. It is, it's deeper than, than what you do. If, if your faith leads you to believe that maybe the nuns or the monks are holier than thou, see, that is the, the, the legalism of a religious faith that, lets you, that puts you in a position of thinking that you're less than somebody else. The other side of this is a worldview that comes with a very liberal tendency that says that the lifestyle that you choose is okay because it's the lifestyle that you choose. It's, a, it's this, this liberal tendency that is, that is full of, of selfishness and, and, and desire. It's full of, of liberty, yes, but it has, it has just absolutely no rules and no adherence to anything that anyone says, even, even Christ. It's a lifestyle that can be determined by biblical values of maybe being wicked or immoral or promiscuous or, or selfish. See, both of these lifestyles of, of legalism and, and extreme liberalism, these lifestyles are so frustrated when Christ comes into the room because they don't adhere to 
his direction for our lives. For Paul, Christ's work is completely sufficient in the life of the believer. Therefore, see, to trust the value of circumcision to Paul or to trust the value of worldly direction is to diminish the worth of Christ. See, when we're putting our faith in anything else, when we're either putting it in rules or we're putting it in worlds, it does. It diminishes the gospel. To trust any of these other sources, it just gets us off track. Some of you remember a time when, maybe when you were younger and You'd go on a road trip, and before you got started, you would stop at the gas station, and you would pick yourself up a big paper map. You remember those big paper maps? Yeah. Maybe some of you, those who are younger, you're going to type the map into your, uh, into your phone or into your, your, your GPS, right? But you pick up that map, or you make sure that you've got that address typed into your phone, because you're planning a trip... You're going to plan a trip from here to West Virginia. You need to know how to get there, right? So you have that you have that map. But some people are going to get in their car and they're going to start driving and they're never going to unfold that map. Because you know what they say? They say something like this. They say, "Well, I believe I believe it's okay to drive this way because you know what? All roads lead to West Virginia eventually." All roads. I can just drive this way and I can get there. So that map, it just sits in the glove box where it doesn't get used. Or maybe they say something like this. You know what? I'm just going to get on the road and I'm going to go where all the other cars go. I'm going to go the direction that everyone else is going. You think, well, we're on the West Coast. You can't go too much West. We must go East, so let's just turn East and follow everyone else, and we're going to get there because all roads lead to West Virginia. See, what happens, though, is that if that is your direction, if, that, if, if your I believe and all roads lead to... If that is your governing authority, your map is useless. You stopped. You got a map. You have a map in your car. You have a map on your phone. You don't use it. It is now useless. It's the same way that if you're trying to save yourself by going the same direction that all the other cars are going. It's the same thing as if you're just trying to save yourself and save your own soul and you say, you know what, all roads get to heaven. You know what ends up happening if you try and drive to West Virginia without a map? You're going to get lost, right? You're going to get lost. But how sad is it to try and drive somewhere and get lost when you have a map? You have one, but you just don't use it. 
That's the same way. I want you to see what Jesus actually says, what he tells his disciples. He has a conversation with them about direction. We're in John chapter 14. We're in verse number 5. Jesus has talked to them about knowing where to go. Verse number 5, it says this, No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus says this in verse number 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. You know what that's like? That's like, hey, just point us towards West Virginia and we'll be satisfied. Just kind of point. And Jesus says, I've been with you all this time, Philip. And yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me? to show him to you. You want to know where the Father is? Well, we look to Jesus. You want to know who speaks truth? Well, then we look to Jesus. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, if you want to know the way to heaven, stop driving with everyone else. Stop making your own road because you're going to get lost. Just stop. He says, pick up your map. Paul says, he's going to come back and he's going to talk to the Galatians. He's going to say, you know what? There was a time when you did look at your map. Paul knows this. He's telling his audience in Galatians, he says, I know that you know this. Galatians 5, verse number 7 says this. Paul says, you were running well. Who prevented you? from being persuaded regarding the truth. This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. Here's the principle. Identifying the liar is needed to identify and address the lie. If you're listening to a liar, which is anyone outside of Christ telling you where to go and how to get there, even yourself, trust me, we can lie to ourselves, right? Amen. Then you're not listening to Jesus. Paul is telling his Christian audience, and essentially you and I, people who have come to Christ but may not be fully listening to Christ, he's saying that you are doing so good. Who is it that's persuading you away from the truth? He says, who is it? Is it the fact that you believe certain things are okay because your world tells, the, tells you that they're okay? Is it that you believe that things are okay because, you know, if, if you stand up for the truth that people are going to shame you? What is it? What is it that is telling you just to drive your own course or go and follow everyone else? Why is it that even though you know something is wrong, 
you know maybe a lifestyle is wrong according to Christ that you will simply accept it because the world says, oh, it's normal now, right? The world says, you know what? Yeah, we say it's okay now, so it's okay now. And what happens is we just tell ourselves things like, well, I believe, instead of saying, well, the Bible says. We tell ourselves things like, it's okay, comma, because, see, what we did is we just changed something that God told us, right? Then Paul starts talking about leaven. Now, I'm, I'm not a cook at all. I'm really not. The most famous chefs in my world are like Chef Boyardee and the Swedish chef. Like, those are, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a cook at all. But I do know enough about making bread that you need a, you need a rising agent, right? Like a leaven or, or, or yeast. And I know enough that you don't need a pound of yeast to a pound of dough, right? They say a little bit goes a long way, right? It takes just a little bit. Paul is saying that you don't need this much for this much dough. And what he's really referring to is, is this. He is saying it takes just a small lie to ruin a, re, a, a massive relationship with Jesus. It's just a little bit of a lie can ruin an entire batch. A little bit of leaven goes a long way. Now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. But what I'm saying is that Paul is reminding us that when we say things like, it's okay because we are letting a lie set in that is going to separate us from Jesus. That is going to separate us from his truth. You know what another definition of leaven is? It's not just an, an agent that you put into, into bread to make it rise. Another definition of leaven is this. It is an element that produces an altering or transforming influence. That's what it is. It's an element that produces an altering or transforming influence. That's what lies do. Lies produce an altering or transforming influence. They alter you. Lies alter who God made you. The world wants you to believe that they, the world, made you, or they can make you, or they can transform you, they can influence you away from what God made you, and get you to say, I believe, or it's okay, because. And you know what just happened? Altered and transformed. What happens when we alter and transform God's word? It's not God's word anymore, is it? It's not God's word anymore. I don't know if you've ever... I'm sure that everyone here has at some point had... Just a massive toothache. 
right? You could reach into your pocket, you can go to the store, you can get that tube of Orogel, right? You get home, you just start putting Orogel all over this toothache, right? You know what that does, though? That's going to numb the pain, but it doesn't solve the problem, right? You can take a piece of bubble gum and you could put it over, you can put it on a pipe to maybe stop a leak, but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that there's still a hole in that pipe. See, until we recognize the root of the problem and where the issue and where the lies are coming from, then how do we know to stay away from it? How do we know to avoid it, to call it out, to recognize the lies and the, and, the, and the liar so that we can stay away from it and grow closer to Christ? You've heard me say this, you can't grow closer to the world and closer to Christ at the same time. You can't do it. So how can we go, grow closer to a liar and closer to the truth at the same time? See, that's what happens when we're trying to accept a little bit of both. We're going to go back to the book of John where Jesus himself is talking to some of the Jews. And again, he's going to describe for them exactly who it is who is influencing them. We're in John chapter 8, verse number 44. And this is Jesus. He's, he's talking to them about who it is that's influencing them. Jesus says this, You, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? pretty powerful, huh? See, we have to root out not just the lie, but we need to find the source of that lie. Because if we can't find the source, then we're going to struggle to stay away from it. That is so important for us to know who it is that is telling us it's okay to say, I believe. Who it is that's telling you it's okay to read the Bible, but to say, you know what, if you read it like this, I can make it fit into what I want it to say, right? You ever known somebody who's done that? Have you ever done that? Saying, you know what, I read that verse, but if I read it like this, well, that doesn't hurt as much now. If I just read it like this. I can live with that. See, whenever we're looking and reading the Bible and we're saying, you know what, I could live with that, then it means we've made an excuse for something. We've made an excuse for a truth. Paul, in his letter here to the Galatians, he knows better. He knows. He has so much faith in them. He tells them this. This is what Paul is saying, and and he's talking about the liar. Paul says this in Galatians 5. We're coming back to verse number 10. He says, I myself am persuaded 
in the Lord that you will not accept any other view. But whomever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. Yeah, that's pretty deep. Here's the third point or the third principle today. With only with Jesus can you distance yourself from the liar. Paul says that he believes through God that you're not going to accept any other view. Now, let me tell you this. Paul knows that you are going to live in a world that has other views. You're going to live around people that are going to tell you other views. You're going to live in a world of people who are going to lie to you. But Paul says, I believe through God that you're not going to accept those views. I believe that you know better. I believe that you have a map. And you're not going to listen. You're going to understand the dangers. But you're going to stay away. He says, I'm telling you, I know that you know who Christ is because I was there with you when you came to Christ, when you understood this word. He says, I believe that you're going to, you're going to stop saying things like, I believe, and you're going to start saying things like the Bible says. See, to tell people things like, I believe, what that does is that's putting the importance on me and what I believe. It's not putting the importance on the Bible and what the Bible says. Paul goes on to say that he really, he really prays and he really wishes and hopes that those who are confusing you are going to pay a penalty. Paul wishes, he hopes for mutilation. Like he's, he's not going easy. He's not doing a hand slap here, right? I mean, that's pretty deep because he's not taking it easy on the liars because he knows that this is an eternal life or death situation. It's a big deal. As a matter of fact, it's like Paul calling 911 for your soul. It's, it's just, it's, it's as if... You're either calling 911 to help somebody else or you're just a bystander. Just standing there watching an accident happen and then turning around and walking away. Like you were literally, if, if he were to just turn and walk, he's literally just watching you eternally die and follow the father of lies. Paul says, no, uh-uh. You can't grow closer to the world and closer to Christ at the same time. You could read them both. You could read your, your Bible and, and you could be deep and in reading into People Magazine. Now, nothing against People Magazine. But after a while, something's going to give. Either your reading of Christ, either, either your, your faith is going to give or the world is going to give. Either the world is going to overtake your faith 
and it's going to pull you back in. We talked about this last week about being pulled, right? See, Jesus in your faith, though, it's not pulling, it's not pulling your heart against the world. It's actually pulling your heart against your willingness to surrender. There's a difference there. In order to grow in this world, you need to willfully change your, pro- your thought process away from the gospel, away from the Bible, to the world. But see, to follow Christ doesn't mean you're doing anything. It means you're giving up something. It's giving up your willingness to be in control. It's that we need to change our nature but we're not the one that's creating the change we're following the change it's changing the way that we think about truth and not conforming to to man and the sinful ideas of man starting without doing every anything but rather letting go of everything maybe it lets go of our pride Maybe it lets go of our ideas. Maybe it lets go of what we want to be. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says this. And Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but what? Lose your soul. Is anything more important than your soul? Drew Stedman, in his book, wrote a book. It's called The Gospel According to Culture. And he says this, he says, sometimes we feel guilty for our lack of social conformity, while other times we feel angry at our lack of full belonging. It would be fair to say, if you're a Christian, you're not going to fully belong to our society, right? But sometimes we feel guilty that we don't fit into our own society. He says this, every person longs for acceptance. We want to live within the culture that reinforces our beliefs and our identity. It's a natural desire, and it leaves open a big question. Where do we find this acceptance? He goes on and he says this, Jesus' subversive message calls his disciples to create a new culture. See, he's not calling his disciples to fit in to culture. Because you know what? You're not going to fit in. His disciples are not going to fit into culture. He's calling us to create a new culture. A new culture that does not look like culture. We've talked about this before. If you're a follower of Christ and you look like culture, then nobody's going to see Christ in you, right? We are to be different. The culture of Christ is 
different. It's not the rules of religion. It's not the rules of succumbing to shame because the world wants to shame you for you following Christ's direction. No. Galatians 5, Paul says this. He comes back to his audience and he says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Here's the final point in your notes this morning. God's grace and your freedom from the illness of our world is not a license to sin. A lot of times we like to, maybe we like to go through life and saying, you know what, this is who I am, but God gives grace and it's okay. I'm going to use his grace as he's going to forgive me. He's going to forgive me. I'm just going to mess up, and he's going to forgive me, right? That's using it as a license. That's telling ourselves early that it's okay because of God's grace. If you read Paul's letters, all of Paul's letters in the New Testament, he says this time and time and time and time again. He says that you are free from the bondage of a culture of religion that demands of you that you, that you stick to the rules, and you're also free from a worldly culture that, that demands that you conform to their standard of whatever they call purity, of whatever they determine is correct now. Paul's telling us that they're both wrong. You and I know that you and I know that the world's value system is way off base. That, that, that's pretty easy. We don't have to argue that. You need to know that there's some groups of faith that their value system is also way off base. We're sitting on this peak of, of legalism, being deep into faith and religion, and, and, then, and then this liberalism on this side that says, you know, do, do whatever you want, and just God will give you some, some grace. You be whoever you tell yourself that you want to be, and have a little bit of, of, of this over here on the religious side, and let's have a little bit of this over on the, the liberal side, and, and, and be a little bit of, of church, and let's be a little bit of a whole lot of the world. Some people think that, you know what, it's it's okay, that's what, that's what we're supposed to be, is kind of in the middle. And it doesn't really matter what you've done in your life because God's grace covers sin, and God's grace does cover sin, but we're not to use that grace as a freedom. See, it's a freedom from the slavery of the world's sin that, that we're given. Let me tell you, Jesus never asked for a little bit. He never asked for there to be another side to the fence. He never asked us to be right here in the middle. Paul is talking, and in the book of John, Jesus is, is talking about you being free from 
idols, from being free from the habitual sin that is holding you back, from being free from that, that lifestyle where you tell yourself that it's okay, being free from the world telling you that it's okay. Because God's, God's saying, you know what, that's not okay. Yeah, I've got grace for you, but it doesn't make it okay. Yeah, our sins are forgiven, but it doesn't give us permission to go out and purposefully and willfully live a life of sin. I want you to see what Paul writes to the Romans. This is in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start in chapter 5, verse number 20. We're going to read through chapter 6, verse number 3. Paul says this, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. We've talked about the law, the rules of the law of the Old Testament law. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well then, should we keep sinning so that God could show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? See, this is what we gave up. What a shame it is to accept God's grace and then turn and use it for the same action that we needed his grace for to begin with. You just kind of walk through life saying, I've got God's grace with me. This morning, I want you to know and I want you to remember that there is somebody who is lying to you. As a matter of fact, there's probably a whole lot of somebodies who are lying to you. Whenever you hear somebody tell you that it's okay because, chances are there's a liar speaking to you. Our culture does not create truth. Social media does not create truth. Politicians do not create truth truth. Modern science today has yet to create truth. It helps us understand God's truth, but it does not create truth. Amen? Amen. Newscasts do not create truth. Public shame does not create truth, and it doesn't hide truth. It doesn't cover up truth. It might try and silence truth, but truth is still truth, and it's still there. There's some Christians that see themselves on that fence of being, of being a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Jesus never asked for a little bit. He never did. Some people think that I, could be, I can be a good Christian within culture and I can do everything that culture does and I can put a cross that dangles from my rear view mirror and I can call myself saved. And let me tell you, Jesus never asked for a cross dangling from your rear view mirror. It's not what he asked for. 
He didn't ask for a little bit. He asked for all. He didn't ask for you to be a little bit in. He asked for you to be all in. Some people think that it's okay to say, you know what? It's okay because that's the way we live now. Because the Bible is old and and it's not relevant to our culture and our culture has changed and it's okay because now Jesus never asked you to be of this world but rather he says that his followers are not of this world we can't be not of this world and be of this world at the same time amen Amen. just a reminder what what Jesus said in John 8 verse number 31 He says this, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The question is this morning, whose word are you in? Because Christ has a word, and the world has a word. And there's a lot of lies out there in the world. But there's one map. There's one map of truth. We just need to make sure that that's what we're reading. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you this morning for Paul's letter to the Galatians. And I want to thank you this morning for reminding us that it is so important who we're listening to. And reminding us that it is so important what we are paying attention to. And reminding us that there is one way and there is one direction. Lord, I thank you for reminding us of the of the dangers of what is all around us. Lord, reminding us that you have given every one of us a map, and we don't have to go at this alone. Lord, this morning, I ask you to heal hearts that are broken now from following this world for so long, that have been trying to to, to straddle this fence between being a little bit in you and being a little bit in this world. Lord, I pray that today marks the day when we're not just a little bit in, but we are all in. And Lord, reminding us that being all in with you means that we are all out of the world, that we are all out of the other teachers, that we are following one path, not many, and that it's okay to be shamed by a world that doesn't know you, it's okay. Lord, we thank you for Paul's message to the Galatians, just having faith in them and, of course, having faith in us that we know the truth, having faith in us that we won't accept any other message other than yours. Lord, this morning I thank you for those who are here and those who are watching online and I just ask your blessings upon us here. 
And that when we go back into our world, when we go back into life this afternoon or back into life tomorrow, that it's not the world that we're conforming to, but it's your direction for our lives. Lord, when people see us, that they don't see us, that they don't see conforming to the world in us, that they don't see society in us, that they only see you in us. Lord, this morning, we thank you for your forgiveness. And we actually come to you asking forgiveness again for using your grace as a license. Lord, we don't want to come to you asking for grace for the same thing that we came to you asking for grace for before. Let us put that away and walk closer to you. Lord, as we worship, hear our praise. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.